So the days of NDSU walking to Frisco, and that's how I incorporated the dynasty talk back in 2016 when they lost. I'm like, they're still definitely going to be that team who's probably semifinals every year and getting to Frisco outside of one or two outliers. But you can just see the lack of depth, the lack of talent. And when one guy goes down, a whole position group disappears. official podcast of FCS Fan Station with your hosts Kyler Neal, Matthew Frazee, and Jamie Williams. FCS Fans Nation dynasties must fall bears must awaken from their slumber and boy what an absolute chaotic weekend of fcs football outside of the top two that still continue to survive welcome ladies and gentlemen to the fcs fans nation podcast uh you can be sadly disappointed you don't have the two best people as a duo this week i'm gonna unfortunately hop on and help these gentlemen out Kyler Neal, Jamie Williams, Matt Frazee. I missed you beautiful people last weekend. Loved the show. I like the shout outs and the burns that you threw in there throughout it. It was a beautiful listen. You know, just missed you gentlemen overall. Kyler, we're weeping. I don't even want to talk to Jamie. He's just so happy uh, out in sunny little Beltland. And, uh, you know, we're just the sad duo tonight. And are, are you feeling okay? Are we able to pick each other up tonight? This was such a wet noodle of a weekend. Uh, <laughs> biggest wet noodle of a weekend I have experienced. Last weekend was great, right? Birthday weekend, bye weekend, so no one you know could disappoint me. But this week, this is the first time that I have officially given up on our coaching staff. Um, and yeah, it, it's it's a it's a rough one. Oh well, one of the three hosts loves their coaches, I'm sure, and. Boy, we are on YouTube, of course, uh, also available on Apple and Spotify. But YouTube tonight is filled with that Kelly UND Green fan storming the field in the background. Um, I'm doing a shout out to a team. We might eat some crow on here. The Montana Grizz, beautiful hat, beautiful shirt sent to me by the fans. And uh, boy, those are the teams that may get mentioned quite a bit tonight on the pod. Aren't I can't they believe to... nobody sent me a Montana shirt. They, Yeah, you know, you show them the love. You would think. Somebody would show it back to you. But in terms of the love, guys, before we get into some amazing Big 7 topics, buckle up. It's going to get rowdy tonight. Uh, let's take a listen from our two great sponsors. The FCS Fans Nation podcast is brought to you by Walk on Apparel. Walk on Apparel specializes in FCS and mid-major clothing and believes that every fan base should have quality options to rep the schools they love. Along with you receiving a great product, 10% of the profit from every sale is donated directly to that school's athletic fund. Visit walkon-apparel.com and use promo code FCSFANSNATION to get 15% off of your purchase. Limited schools currently available with new releases monthly. Walk on Apparel. Up the fans, up the culture. The FCS Fans Nation podcast is also sponsored by the ultimate analytical prediction football experience. Introducing the Versus Sports Simulator. 
your secret weapon for predicting FCS, mid-major, and all other football games. Get ahead of the game and take your sports betting and knowledge to the next level with a site and app that's built to ignore bias and just give you the facts. If you subscribe today and use promo code FCSFANSNATION, you'll save 20% on your subscription. You can download the Versus app on the App Store and Google Play by searching Versus Sports Simulator or going to VersusSportsSimulator.com. With Versus, it's not a prediction. It's science. The top seven FCS topics of the week. This is the Big Seven. It is going to be a fun one tonight, guys. And we I think there's no other place we can start than what occurred up in Grand Forks, North Dakota this past weekend with an absolute ass-kicking handed out by the Fighting Hawks towards the North Dakota State Bison. Horns down all over that building. And wow, 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 did we see almost a changing of the guard, if you will. And um, just some initial gut punch thoughts from you, uh, Kyler. I know I saw you on Twitter a little bit talking about that game. You know, you really felt NDSU was going to go up there and take care of business. And whew, 180 results from where most people thought it would go. What was your reaction to this changing of the guard situation? I don't know for sure if it's changing of the guard, but um, it was an interesting game, interesting year so far. Now, this is also something that, you know, Matt, you have mentioned, I have mentioned about three years ago in our podcast when North Dakota announced that they were going to move to the Missouri Valley. You said, you know, they were going to be the next big thing. Um, it looks like they're on their way. And I personally said North Dakota is going to be quite more successful in the Missouri Valley than they were in the big sky. Not because, you know, the big sky is tougher, but because of the different elements. Now North Dakota can kind of just prep for the team that they're facing. And these games mean more to them, right? It's local kids that are growing up um, in the area, in the region. It's going to help with their recruiting. But yeah, North Dakota, I mean, it just seems like every year they're going to start slowly getting better. They're, they're getting more towards the cream of the crop. And I guess I get they still got lit up by South Dakota State the other day. But this was this game was just fantastic to watch. Sorry, Matt. Um, I mean, it was a beat down on both sides. Uh, I mean, offensively, especially in that first quarter. I mean, they kind of set the tone. Tommy Schuster was just throwing. He didn't throw a lot, but he was throwing dimes whenever he made a play. They were running right down the middle. Um, there was some penalties that North Dakota State was having where you're it's just like they're flustered. They don't normally make these types of mistakes. They just look like they were flustered. They look like they were panicking. On the sidelines, you see the expression on the faces. They didn't seem like they cared or wanted to be there. And North Dakota just took advantage of North Dakota State. They beat them on every aspect of the field. They they seemed like they wanted it more. They were more physical. They were more, you know, talented. That's what it looked like. Um, they were more athletic. But yeah, man, I don't know. It was fun. It was just a fun beatdown. Um, because I know we're probably gonna talk about how not fun I had the rest of the day. But this one was a fun game where I was having a great time. And I love you, Matthew Frazee, but I was a big Fighting Hawks fan today or yesterday. Yeah, it was like SDSU's beat down in Frisco in terms of the mentality of the FCS. I mean, I I said to you guys, the only shitty part about Frisco with SDSU and DCU wasn't the fact that SDSU beat us. It was that I, I describe it as the hyenas were cackling the whole time. Like the, the people who were with us, they're all great folks, but all the non-SDSU fans who were just randomly there they were all laughing like hyenas, and rightfully so, because 
I mean, NDSU has just been kicking everybody's can for 10 years. Everybody mm -hmm. wants to see him lose, all rightfully so. And I apologize to Cody Werlinger. He's the guy who asked us his first question, the Big Seven. He asked, uh, with the loss to UND as the Bison dynasty finally ended, and FCS fans are rejoicing. Now, I got a reference before I start here to December 19th of 2016. I bet Jamie remembers that day pretty well. That would be the day that the James Madison Dukes walked into the Fargo Dome and beat NDSU in the semifinals. And I have had a pin tweet. You can go to my profile at Matthew Frazee on Twitter. I have my pin tweet from that night still there. It's never moved. It reads, NDSU has NDSU only 10 seniors, number one nearly half the season, number one seed in the playoffs, semifinal loss, youngest roster in five years. The streak is done. The dynasty isn't. And boy, was that true. Now it is done. Really? The dynasty for NDSU is now officially over, and I'm going to give you a few reasons why, Mr. Cody Werlinger. Um, first off, you, if I hear any more of the, it's NDSU, they're fine, um, those days are over. I think everybody for the last year and this year has thought to themselves, well, just think South Dakota, for example. This was the one bad game that they're going to have. It was just a total team letdown. They're fine. Well, it's NDSU. They're going to bounce back. They're fine. But the cracks are all there for this team this year and beyond just what the team is. And that's what really ends a dynasty. They have no identity right now. When you think about NDSU football, what do you normally think of? Just take the top five things. Powerful, elite, strong defense. Does not exist. Great offense and defensive line play. They're going to stop the run, put pressure on the QB, and they're going to block their tails off and just move the ball. That's not a good. Discipline play does not exist. Um, how about smart tactical coaching, which usually is the difference between some great talented teams like Dukes and others, does not exist. Powerful running backs running guys over, going for four or five yards a pop, does not exist. This NBC team, who are they? What are they? What, what, I mean, the switch that has gone from the first three weeks of out of conference when we were all like, damn, they're back to now is glaring. I mean, I can't even describe it. And a lot of Bison fans right now are saying, finally, the portal and COVID have caught up to us. Those are excuses. That's trash. SDSU dealt with the portal. Everyone uh, everybody in the FCS has dealt with the portal, COVID rules, all the same. The difference is, is that. Chris Kleiman's guys all left. They clearly did not want to stick around with Matt Ince's crew past the opportunities once Trey Lance was gone. They're all gone. And now that you've wiped the slate of Chris Kleiman's guys all rolling out, they were backfilled by Matt Ince's recruits who are not as talented, not as good, and are not as well-developed. And that's just the reality of it. I saw a great tweet that was out there from a gentleman. I apologize. They don't have him completely saved on there. But he said, Craig Bull uh, took something in the ashes and built a dynasty, and Chris Kleiman shot it to the stratosphere. And Matt Ence just isn't going to carry the torch. And that's exactly true. This team is not going to beat South Dakota State. It might be 8-3. and three. That's not a seed. So the days of NDSU walking to Frisco, and that's how I incorporated the dynasty talk back in 2016 when they lost. I'm like, they're still definitely going to be that team who's probably semifinals every year and getting to Frisco outside of one or two outliers. But you can just see the lack of depth, the lack of talent. And when one guy goes down, a whole position group disappears. 
that's not good. And all the guys who are in there now had to backfill Kleiman's guys, and they're just not as talented. And you cannot just reload that next year with Montana State, Grizz, SDSU, everybody else looking like they've caught up and are excelling past beyond it. So, yeah, Cody Werlinger, the Bison dynasty, definitely done. So you guys can walk me off a ledge, but I know this team pretty well. Jamie, I probably should give you the floor. I haven't had to let you talk like the whole podcast. I don't – you needed to cover that as you did. I, I think that was a <laughs> solid uh, analysis. And kudos to UND – sorry, Jim. Kudos to UND. Kudos to UND. You guys kicked the living crap on NDSU. Well-deserved yeah. win. I hate you so much, but well-deserved. Yeah, the, the dynasty is on life support. And the reason I say that is until you've lost two straight titles and one of them you don't play in Frisco, it's still there. So it's on life support. Uh, been meaning to say this a few weeks uh, with Cody's asked questions. Just want to congratulate him and his wife, Natasha. They've got a new addition at some point soon coming. Cody, I've been meaning to say this about, I don't know, all this freaking season. I, I just thought about it. So congratulations to y'all. But I got to, you know, give you something to smile about because your team sure didn't yesterday. And uh, Luke Skoke knows, um, might not have had a lot of yards um, in the run game, the pass game, but he scored three different ways. Tommy Schuster, like Kyle said, very efficient. Uh, Dynasty not dead, but pretty close. I'm not. I'm not willing to say the dynasty's dead. Um, again, North Dakota State was just in a national title. They've already won two this decade, right? It, it is crazy. Maybe their trajectory makes everyone nervous because they're not looking like the NDSU of the last decade. But if anyone thought NDSU was going to look like the NDSU of last decade, I mean, that's just unrealistic. Sometimes you got to get brought down to earth. Other teams are getting border, are they're getting better. The portal is helping some teams. Development is helping others. But at the end of the day, like when Alabama won three titles in seven years, that was still a dynasty, right? No one was saying Alabama isn't still a dynasty. Maybe now, finally, after, you know, Georgia is putting it through, and I don't think they've done anything in the last few years. But I, we got to give NDSU two or three more years before we have any claims of is the dynasty officially dead? I don't want to see them in the quarters. Um, they're probably still going to be a quarterfinal team. I, I would put money they're still going to be in the quarters. Um, you know, until they're proven otherwise, it is one of those things where I got to give NDSU maybe a little bit more slack than some of the other teams because they are proven so well. Now, yeah, North Dakota looked good. South Dakota looked good. South Dakota State, I don't think it's going to beat them as much as these two teams did. We'll see. Um, but no, I'm not willing to say the dynasty is dead yet, even if this is their down year. They had a down year in 2000, what was it, 8, 2009? I will, I will correct you there. You said two titles this decade. It's one. They they won in 2021. Oh, yeah, true. And then they went last year. 2019, I was referring. Under yep. this new coach, right? Under right. Ends. Under He's the coach, won yeah. two, so my bad. Um Oh, well, he's won two already, so I get it. They're not his players. Still, he's won two titles. I'm not willing to say the dynasty's dead until we're not seeing them regularly in the semis, and I have never seen that, right? It's been a very long time since 2010 since we have not seen them make that, um, or I guess, what, the spring season, but that doesn't really – it was a weird season anyway. It is what it is. Yeah, no, they were they were a three-win team in between their back-to-back -back 10 years. This happens. This happens. This could be North Dakota's best team that they've ever had. This could be South Dakota's best team that they've ever had. And then next year, they're going to fall off the cliff and maybe NDSU wins by this amount. And then we're still going, 
see NDSU's back. No, maybe they just didn't leave. Maybe these other teams are having their best game ever. Maybe everyone is, um, you know, giving them still their best shots when they're not as talented. There's definitely some depth, especially in the running back room, that we haven't seen NDSU have. I will say that that's where it looks like that's a big issue for them. They're not able to really run down the clock, control time, and give their defense rest. Without that running game, they are not as good as they have been in the past. Um, but, yeah, give it a year. Maybe they're going to find this awesome transfer who's going to completely change the running game, and then we're all going to look like an idiot saying the dynasty's dead after they win another title. We'll see. I, I don't think you need to uh, bring in a uh, transfer to uh, get the running game going. I, I know Matt's favorite coach is Tyler Rail, but if that guy was smart at all, TK Marshall would get a lot more look. Yeah, I just the trip. Boy, I could go on forever. I should do an Eagles. I should do a Bison Power Hour this week. Uh, there, Kyler. I <laughs> just, just get it all off your chest. It just, it just is. For the last two years, probably watching some events as guys, I have been kind of maybe over promotion, over promoting what I was actually feeling. Maybe like it's fine, it's fine, and now that it's fine is just like it's just not. And uh, but. Nobody will be happier, Kyler, if you're actually right and I'm wrong. We'll have to see what happens. I'll be Oh, I'd about be that. miserable. Let's <laughs> I hope I hope it's over. I hope they suck. Um uh, hey, maybe if they suck, they might get a bid to the Mac. So, you know. Yeah, maybe if they're bad enough, because it's not about the talent on the field. Um, guys, Peter Bilgardi and Jeremiah Rash. Peter, I apologize if I blew your last name there. The odds of all four Dakota schools making the playoffs. How crazy is it that NDSU could possibly end up being the fourth best team from both Dakota states? Yeah, right now they definitely are the worst team of the Dakotas. Um, and South Dakota State's going to murder them. So they're going to be 0-3 versus those teams. So that's already set in stone. But the real question here is, I'm going to pull up the Missouri Valley Conference standings, is could all four Dakota schools make the playoffs? Of course they could. But is it likely? And I think there's a lot of factors that maybe that's not so true. Jamie, what do you think? Could we actually see that out of the Missouri Valley? Yeah, we definitely could. I mean, I think at this point, the Valley could be looking at six bids. And it's going to include all four of those schools. Uh, Southern Illinois, as long as they finish uh, moderately strong, they're going to be there. Youngstown doesn't look too bad. They're right going to be right on that bubble. Uh, but if they pull up a couple more wins, so we're looking at – a potential of six teams that could be in there. Illinois State, you know, they started well. I, I don't know if they're going to have the juice to get there. But in Northern Iowa, I, I don't think so. They seem, you know, they always have their back to the wall and they make a run. I don't see it. But who knows? Maybe they, they go and beat North Dakota State as well. I still think all four make it because it's going to be tough because I think NDSU would have to lose to South Dakota State, UNI, and SIU all to miss. I, I mean, I think a four-loss NDSU team still in the playoffs. Yeah, and even a five-loss team, if that's where the bubble is, they're going to get the benefit of the doubt, and they probably should. So I think they're all going to make it unless one of those two, uh, either North Dakota or South Dakota, fall off, and they're both playing well. I don't think North Dakota's been able to show much outside of the game the other day against the Bison, which is a great showing. Uh, so they have their schedule, uh, I think, toughens up from here, and they got smacked by SDSU. So I think all four not only can, I think all four will, and uh, the Valley will get five or six teams in. 
Well, Illinois State is interesting because they're already up four wins. And when you look at their next four opponents, you know, any day in the Valley can go crazy. But they're at Youngstown. They host Northern Iowa. Then Missouri State, Murray State, those last two I just mentioned should be guaranteed wins. Guaranteed wins, I would say Missouri State, Illinois State. And they end it with UND. So what happens if they get to seven? Who's to say that their resume versus NDSU, who I guess their best win would be, you know, you get benefit of the doubt for NDSU maybe, which is a junk argument. But Illinois State could get to seven wins. Uh, North Dakota, seven wins. South Dakota, seven wins. Southern Illinois, South Dakota State. You don't think it's remotely possible, Kyle? I see the head nods that a, some of these other teams just force a Dakota school out. What They, they need probably five losses or what? Not likely. Just because, let's say North Dakota State and Illinois State are both 7-4. and four. That means Illinois State just lost to those teams you mentioned. They had a weaker schedule in terms of the Missouri Valley, and then they lost to Eastern Illinois, right? They didn't have a strong out-of-conference resume. They, they lost to the only okay team, and that's not even a good team, just an okay team in Eastern Illinois. Um, no, NDSU would get the benefit of the doubt over that. Uh, they would at, at least have you know that central art. Arkansas win looks really good right now, um, better than anything Illinois State has done. So, but yeah, I mean, I'm just not betting on Illinois State beating those top teams. They'll, they'll probably beat Murray State. They'll probably beat Missouri State. Other than that, I wouldn't bet on them to win the others. Now, it could happen if they get to seven and four. Yeah, they're definitely on the bubble. But I, I think NDSU is going to be eight and three um, when it's all said and done. So yeah, I think we they asked this question a few weeks ago. Um, about, hey, what's the likelihood of all four North Dakotas or all four Dakota schools making the playoffs? And I said, I would bet my house that they're probably all going to make it. Nothing that I've seen has changed the way I feel about it. They're probably all four going to make it. I would bet on it outside of not betting on it, if that makes sense. Definitely, I would, I would take them to make it over not making it. I think that's the safer bet. So, well, yeah. I, I, people are probably feeling way more confident now because UND – and USD have beat NDSU. So now everyone's just going to be like, well, NDSU is not going to get five losses. Like, you know, so the odds of that goes way up. Jamie, I don't know if I stole your point there. I saw the big head nod. To a, to a certain degree. I, I would say when we answered that question last time, I said the one that I was on the fence was North Dakota because I wasn't sure that their resume would hold up and they needed to beat NDSU for me to feel more confident in their making the playoffs. And they went out and did that. So to me, that solidified all four making it. See, uh, I had poker. North Dakota ranked in like my top 12 last week, even before this. I didn't top have 12 them that high. 14. I was like, outside of South Dakota State, they've, they've looked really good. Um, yeah, I, I think when we asked this question a few weeks ago, I said I'd bet on them making it over not betting on to you know, miss it or have one of the teams miss it. So, yeah, I think it's a safe bet. Yeah, it was it was shocking. I had UND ranked 127, so I was surprised to see how well they performed. <laughs> I know, Hawk fans, come at me at Twitter. Congratulations. You did say, though, in 2018 that they would be the dynasty, the next best chance at a dynasty. You said that over South Dakota State. You called UND the next best dynasty. Are you still saying that? Furman? No, no. Furman, did, For, Furman made him really mad that year. Furman did make me mad that year. I remember saying that in a hotel when I was at military training. I know I'm Air Force, so there you go. Um, but I remember recording that through like my phone. And yeah, I just thought the resources and UND could really step up there. I did not expect SDSU to be as strong as they are, but yeah, maybe maybe that one's for a different pod. But I appreciate the the receipts there that go in my favor there, Mr. Kyler Neal. Uh guys talking about receipts. Here we go. Montana time. Uh 
Eric Kletke, great guy, and Mr. Dustin Helton, the Rev, also great. They were on our fan cast. How are we feeling about Montana right now? They have become a new team after their last two weeks against Davis and Idaho. And we put up a thumbnail on YouTube. Some Grizz fans had some fun with me for that today. How we called them the worst 0-3 team, or 3-0 team in the FCS. And boy, now they're definitely going to be top 10, probably top 8, if not higher. Uh, because they just beat Idaho this last week. Jamie Williams is pulling up uh, some of his own personal things that he utilizes when he votes in the Stats Top 25 poll. Jamie Williams, you can start with this, man. Where is Montana sitting for you now and why? So uh, over the first few weeks, and even through the probably the four in one week, Montana still didn't look like that good of a team. I kicked them out of the pool, and I felt like they deserved it. I wasn't the only one. But the last two weeks, they have two ranked wins. So what I have here is I have the results for every team, and I keep up with that. I keep the, that helps me keep the resumes over here. So I have it broken down by FBS wins and ranked wins and ranked losses and non-division one. So you see Montana has a non-division one win there. So and that win didn't look good. Over the last two weeks, they have two ranked wins, and not only they rank wins, they are on the road. And that all goes along with their flipping quarterback to Clifton McDowell. His stats aren't flashy, but he has played so well, managed that team, and picked up two excellent wins. Uh, they almost gave it away last night, but they jumped up to a 20 to nothing lead. And they held on. So what I wanted to kind of show is three teams that are going to be very, very close between Idaho, Montana, and Sacramento State and kind of illustrate some things versus head-to-head versus resume. Then I'm going to toss it to Kyler because he's posted his poll already, and we have things a little different. I haven't posted mine. So I look at these resumes. Do you see the two highlights? That means they both have their FBS win. So that's a little bit of a head up on me for me. They notice uh, ranked wins for Sacramento State. The other two have two ranked wins. Montana's are both on the road. So Montana with six total wins, Idaho with five. You know, no ranked losses for Montana. Obviously, Idaho's loss is ranked because Montana's a ranked team. So I look at this and say, all right, how do I put these together? Well, when I look at this from a resume standpoint, Idaho's still a little bit better on resume, but this is where I blend when I – put my top 25 together because I have these three teams right in a row and I'll release that in the morning. I think I've got them either nine, 10, 11 or 10, 11, 12, somewhere in that range. But I have Montana, Idaho, Sacramento state only because when I had them right next to each other, even though Idaho's resume right now is a little bit better. I gave Montana the bump because of the head to head win. Now, when you look at the whole resume at the end of the year, I still think that's going to mean Idaho deserves a seed over Montana if things continue as they are. Now, they both have to play Montana State, so things can change there. But as of right now, I know that sounds a little weird to say Idaho has a little bit better resume, but I have Montana ahead. But it's so close that my tiebreaker there was the head-to-head matchup. So this is what I do every every week. So I've got this for every team. So I mean, I can clear it. You can see here's every team. I mean – there's Holy Cross, Incarnate Word, Lamar. They're all in there. So that's just a little peek behind the curtain of, of what I do. You see how I go about a little bit of my thought process. I just wanted to share that with everybody because I know all the Montana fans are, are, are have been really upset with me, and that's okay. 
You don't have to understand, <laughs> but I feel like every week I've appropriately ranked Montana based off the way I rank the teams. And guess what? This week they're probably in the top 10. So probably get a little less hate than normal. So Kyler, I know you have it a little different. So if you want to take the floor from there and uh, explain your thought process, how it differs from mine. Yeah, first, I, I think the first five weeks were very justified of people doubting Montana. They did not look good. I, I don't care how Montana fans are playing it. They did not look good, and they had a bottom 25 strength of schedule. They were not beating the bad teams like a top 25 team should. Once they had some shifts with the quarterback, now you can actually see some change. And their offense still isn't fantastic, but they're playing better. They're playing more of a cohesive unit. Um but yeah, I mean, I, I still, when I'm looking at the resume versus Idaho, I agree with you. Idaho still has, and I'm getting so many arguments from just Montana fans because they're not understanding what I'm going to say. Resume, Shocker. when it's this far down the line, is a little bit more important than straight head-to-heads. And when you're looking at this, Montana, the first five weeks, not good. First six weeks of Idaho look pretty damn good. So, yes, if we're just ranking off the last two weeks, I would put Montana ahead of Idaho. I really would. Um, but we're not. This is a full body of work. Again, Ferris State just lost to another Division II school. People were in Montana were saying that was a top 10 team. No, it's not. Idaho State is not good. And that's the team who did just beat my team. I saw Idaho State. They are not good. Northern Arizona sucks. They are not good at all. I, I mean, they got blown out by North Dakota. They got blown out by Utah Tech. And then they just got blown out by Portland State. That is a horrible loss, okay? And then they beat UC Davis without UC Davis's two best running backs. That is not a good team. Eastern beat UC Davis. Eastern's not a good team. We just saw that this week. They are not a good team. So Idaho, and I did an average, I think Massey is probably the best indicator. It's not perfect, but when you're looking at 128 teams, I'm not ranking 128 teams. I'm doing my top 35 and then kind of adjusting it from there if someone does kind of move into it. But I'm watching about as much football as I can. And there's probably only four people that maybe watch more FCS football than I do on a weekly basis. I got I got the screenshots to prove it. My wife is downstairs. She hates me. I am upstairs in my man cave watching four to six games at a time. And I keep flipping through. If there's a commercial break, I'm finding another one. I'm, I'm watching every single game for a minute one to minute 60. No, but I am watching more than everyone, but maybe three to four people. So guess what? Suck it. Um, but, but no, when I'm looking at these two resumes, Idaho has had a stronger strength of schedule by a good margin. Okay. They have the same amount of division one FCS wins or, or not FCS, but division one wins. The average team FCS team that Idaho has played is ranked 10 spots ahead of Montana. And Idaho has beat them by an extra touchdown than Montana has with a weaker schedule. I get this head to head is important, but Let's let's not act that Montana was not very good looking in the first five weeks. So when I'm doing this whole strength of schedule, when I'm doing the full resume, Idaho has looked better in all but one week. And then I know Montana fans, they're saying, but we beat Idaho. Cool, you lost to NAU. On paper, what's a better loss? My team that I have now in the top 10 in Montana or not my top 50 team in NAU? They are garbage. That That I can't justify you to be above that. They got the same caliber of win. Sac State and Idaho are the same caliber of win. Right, Jamie? You just yep. said that. You're putting them all right next to each other. They are the same caliber of win. Sac State was ranked number four in the stats poll this last week. They're probably going to be above Montana and Idaho in the stats poll this week. It's the same caliber of win. 
The rest of the wins, they're not looking that great. UC Davis is not good. Okay. Eastern Washington for Idaho, not good. Then you got Idaho State, not good. Butler, who gives a shit about Butler? That is horrible. So you each team has one solid win. The rest, pretty similar, but Idaho is slightly has looked quite a bit better than Montana with a slightly harder strength of schedule on the average FCS team. 10 spots for the average FCS team is quite a bit higher of a difference, right? And then you lost to NAU, and you weren't losing in a close game. This is at least a close game to another top 10 team. You lost to a bum NAU team. I can't justify that being put above Idaho right now, but if Montana continues to play how they are, it will even itself out. Montana's looking damn good. They got a good defense. This is also one of the things we said in week five. If Montana, Montana has a talent, if they can figure it out offensively, they're going to be good. I said their defense is good. If they can figure out offensively, they got the talent on offense, they're going to be fine. They are. They're figuring it out. The changes they're making, it's working. But yeah, as of right now, it's similar, but I still got to lean towards Idaho. And um, again, those those losses aren't even remotely close, but their wins, worst case scenario, are similar. So um, that's why I have to give the nod to Idaho. And, and that's the point that I wanted to make when we looked at this question the way I wanted to kind of phrase it. I talked to Matt before the, the show, so we kind of had, I had this kind of thought out, is it shows how different people can look at things, two data markers, and come up with two different thought processes, and they're both right. Yeah, I'm not going to judge you if you have Montana right. over Idaho. I think it's a fair exactly. argument to have. Exactly. But if, so, but if I put Montana below Idaho because of the points I lay out, that's all I care about when people are voting their polls. Are you laying out arguments for your own self, right? If you're not, and your only argument is, well, I kept them there in the beginning of the year, that's not an argument. Say what you want. We don't always have to agree, but it doesn't mean you're wrong. It doesn't mean you're right. But as long as you got something to back while you're doing it, then it makes sense and it's valid. Well, I got one final question to close this one out. First off, that was awesome. I'm going to re-listen to that whole thing tomorrow. That was great. So buckle up, folks. It's only going to get better from here. Um, they win the next four games. Real easy yes or no's. No. Kyler? No. No, no. They do. We're saying they're oh, going. Oh, they to. do. Okay. My bad. My bad. They the two seed? Um, does Idaho win the next four? Um, yeah, sure. Does South Dakota win the next four? Oh, yeah. Well, they're going to go 15 and 0, but oh, cool. that's why we're asking about the Coyotes. Yeah, I was thinking the Coyotes. Do they win the next four? I guess there's a lot of questions there, right? Would, would the Grizz have a very good argument to be the number two seed? I guess, yes or no, if they win the next four, they would definitely have an argument. Um, They'd be in the conversation I, for sure. I definitely, for sure, guaranteed top four, um, depending on what some of the other teams do. Probably even a guaranteed top three. Um, but well, yeah, South they, Dakota they, they loses. South sure. Dakota's out because SDSU beats them. Okay, so maybe Idaho wins out. That's where it would go. This is close. Idaho has an extra D1 win. Um, yeah. Man. And they would both have a Sacramento State and a Montana State win. I guess Idaho would have the same amount of D1 wins because – they lost to their P5 team. Um, So they would have the same amount of D1 wins. Yeah, and and when it comes to that, you would probably give the head-to-head to to Montana because the resumes will probably start evening out by then, right? Yeah, you... Right right now, it's just, I don't think it's as even as most Montana fans want it to be. It's closer, for sure. The strength of schedule is still like a 40 gap. 
I mean, it, it is what it is. But if if they win out, yeah, I think you'd probably have to end up giving them the two seed. Yeah, for sure. You ended on beating number two at the time, which is likely Montana State and then uh, Sacramento State a few weeks earlier. Like you said, it all work itself out. But we'll save that for the mock playoffs uh, special that we're going to run as we do traditionally. Guys, Seth Meyer, Mr. Meyer, great fan, been asking questions for years with us. Love this guy. He says, I want to talk about Idaho, but since nothing noteworthy happened in their game to talk about, what are your favorite flavors of potato chips? So we are going to talk about Idaho, but as you talk about Idaho, you have to name your favorite potato chip for Seth, which for me, it's just your standard classic lay. So good. So good. Standard classic. Not too bad. Um, But boy, now let's talk about Idaho a little bit. The darling, the top five, the this and that. Are they going to fall back into the trap of maybe even where they were last year, but slightly improved? They've got a long ways to go from here. Jamie, what are you thinking about Idaho moving forward? I think they've kind of put themselves into a little bit of a bind losing this game. Let's see, because they've already played Sacramento State. So they have a bye week, which is good, because then they play Montana State. They get a bit home. And then they've got Northern Colorado, Weber, and Idaho State, all teams that are less than good. So they almost have to beat Montana State or they're playing the first weekend, I think. It'll be, it'll be close. But I think they they might miss out on a seat if they don't beat Montana State. Now, maybe not. If Montana keeps winning, uh, you know, that, that loss looks even better and even better. They do have the FBS win. But, you know, they – made a few mistakes last night that when they watch the film and they think about what happened, they're probably going to want a couple of those back. First and foremost is the call on the two-point play at the end. I hate that gimmicky crap. They ran like a reverse with Hatton. He went to kind of throw the ball and got himself off balance and, and just flung it. Just run one of your plays. Even you've got Hayden Hatton, just throw him the damn ball and tie the game. Like coaches get so cute after the Philly special because it was awesome and it worked in the Super Bowl that everybody gets down on the one and the two and they try to do something goofy. When you've got a running back like they've had, and I know Montana's run defense is nasty. You know, just just run the ball, just run your play, run your offense, trust your guys. I think they're gonna look back on that. Hatton just a touch ahead on the onside kick. You could argue whether he was offsides or not. I don't want to hear that as an excuse from Idaho fans because you still got the ball back and Montana's defensive corner dialed up just the perfect blitz at number zero coming off the that stunt and up the middle. And McCoy was surprised and he should have just taken the sack at that point, unfortunately. And he tried to make a play and fumble the ball and game over. So huge credit to Montana there, but Idaho is going to look back and they're going to want a few plays back, but you know, still a good, good team. Still a really good team more balanced than last year with a nice run game could have definitely do some damage in the playoffs, but they're, they're going to really crank it up here and, and give a hell of a game to Montana state to stay in the seating discussion. Uh, and even with that loss, I know I said a bit ago, they'd be out of it. They're still going to be in the discussion, but there's a lot that has to happen with a lot of teams. So I, I, I want to walk that comment back a little bit just because let's see in a few weeks when we get closer, how that actually looks. Yeah, we'd have to. We're going to get a little bit into some predicting seeding a little later here in the Big Seven questions. Um, but Kyler with Idaho, are they in a 
rough position, especially with Montana State coming up? I don't know if they're in a rough position. Of course, you want to win that game, right? Winning's always better than losing. But with the type of guy Eck is and having a bye week, this may be the best thing to prep them for Montana State, right? This team is not going to want to lose two times in a row to both Montana schools. So, yeah, again, if, if this was like maybe five quarters, I think Idaho would probably win just like NDSU versus South Dakota. Too bad football doesn't do that unless you're in seventh grade. I was four, fifth quarter champion. Um, but, yeah, th- this actually might be the best thing for Idaho. They, they started off so slow, and Montana just punched them in the face and then kind of took away with it. But, I mean, Idaho at least showed resilience. They showed the ability to fight back versus a strong defense. And they were kind of doing whatever, and then they shut down Montana in the whole second half, right? This was a team that looked like it was much better than Montana the second half of the game. Um, if I was Montana, I probably wouldn't want to see Idaho again in the playoffs if they get paired up in maybe the, the quarters or something like that. But this might be a blessing in disguise for Idaho. X going to get this team fired up. They're quite a bit more dynamic in, ter- in terms of an offense than Montana State. I get Montana State has a better offense statistically in terms of rushing and total offense and scoring, but in terms of dynamic, what can an offense do? Montana State's pretty one-dimensional. This might be the perfect type of matchup for Idaho to have two weeks of a game plan for to stop this option team. And um, Montana State's defense has looked great, but I wouldn't want to play a pissed-off Hayden Hatton. I mean, that, that might be the best wide receiver that's coming out of the big sky since Cooper Cup, and that's saying a lot because, you know, Rashid Shahid had just had a phenomenal game. Kendrick Bourne had a great game too. But this Hayden Hatton kid is just on a different level than most wide receivers in the FCS. And playing a pissed off Hayden Hatton, I don't, I wouldn't want to play it. So um, now, now here's the other concern for Idaho though. Giovanni McCoy looks like he's kind of in his sophomore slump. He had a great second half, but this is also Eastern beat him to death. He looked horrible against Eastern Washington through like 40%, uh, you know, one TD, one interception. He is not having the same year as he had last year. Maybe it's because they're trusting him a little bit more to sling the ball and do whatever he wants, or, or maybe there's something else, but I don't know. McCoy looks like he's slowly, he's not, he's not regressing, but he's not improving if that makes sense. So, so the more time you're on the field, the more film that is on this kid, maybe it's just not there. He's still a damn good quarterback, especially on the run. He can get out of the pocket, make some insane throws. But there's something missing that wasn't missing last year with this offense. Um, but yeah, I don't know. This might be a blessing. I I, I don't want to bet against Idaho when they play Montana State because Montana State's also going to have a couple brutal games in a row. I, if I'm Idaho State, I'm or if I'm Idaho, I'm loving the bye week to prep for this Montana state team, especially after you just got embarrassed on homecoming versus Montana. Yeah. I think that game's going to be a little more interesting than some people think it is. Mm, very intriguing. We'll have to yeah, see the, how that one plays out. I missed one thing. Sorry, Seth. Uh, my favorite chips are either salt and vinegar or oh, the, yeah. uh, the um, Chesapeake Bay crab seasoning chip. Oh, I forgot about Dang. salt and vinegar. East coast. Uh, that Doritos sweet and spicy chili. It's the best. Ooh. It's the best. Or Tim's Cascade chips are always good. Or those Maui. What is it? Those sweet Maui Luau chips. Have you heard that? Have you had those? Mm-hmm. Nope. They only sell Lay's up here. Regular. Yeah. That's Dodge and Lay's. <laughs> oh, too good. 
Thank you, Seth, for both of those questions. We appreciate you. Dustin Perman coming back around here. Dustin, which three teams in the top 25 have the hardest remaining schedule? Which three have the easiest? He says, go Jacks. This would be the year to cheer for them, buddy. They are on fire. Well, here you go, Kyler and uh, Jamie. We're gonna pull. I'm going to pull these up for you one by one because everybody's watching on YouTube, subscribing on YouTube, FCS Fans Nation. So our top three teams, we're going to start with South Dakota State. This is a difficult question. Their remaining schedule is Southern Illinois, South Dakota, North Dakota State, Youngstown State, and Missouri State, as is shown on the screen. The uh, next team that we're going to pull up here would be currently your number two team in the nation. That is Montana State. They are going to end the season with Sacramento State, Idaho, Northern Arizona, Kyler's Eastern Washington Eagles, and then they are playing the Grizz in one of the best rivalries, if not the best in college sports, to end the season. And who I predict to be probably the number three team based off the fact that they were number four in the stats poll last week with Idaho losing. Here is Sacramento State, and they are going to end the season with Montana State, Idaho State, Montana, Cal Poly, and UC Davis. This is one of the most difficult questions. My gut tells me South Dakota State is slightly the tougher one, but I don't know by how much. All of these schedules seem brutal. Um, I don't know how confident I'm looking at my fellow co-hosts here that they have answers for us. I got it. You got it, Jamie? All right. Toughest yeah, to weakest. Down the line, people, man. People like to use the, use the, the um, computers, so I'm just going to use them. Future strength of schedule, Montana State, six. South Dakota State, nine. Sacramento State, 22. Mm. So Montana State, the toughest. Sacramento State, the weakest of those three. When you look at the Jacks' schedule then, Jamie, honestly. Okay, so SAC is easy. It's tougher, though. Doesn't <laughs> well, – when so you that, look at it, when you look at the Jacks' schedule, it's just because they're so damn good – we believe they're not going to lose. I don't think they're going to lose at all. At Southern Illinois, at rival South Dakota, NDSU coming to Brookings, at Youngstown State, they'll kill them that game. And then they end it with a cakewalk at Missouri State at home. But these next four weeks are, I, I think, way tougher than what other teams are going to experience. Kyler, yeah. you agree? The only difference is like all the Montana State games are on the road. So, so that makes it a little bit more difficult. But... I'm going to counter with Jamie's computer argument with another computer argument because we were both looking at Massey, right? Um, I was looking and, at Massey, yeah. And everything Jamie just said is correct. But this isn't who has the toughest schedule in the season. This is who has the remaining toughest schedule. South Dakota uh, State has a slightly bigger gap than Montana State in terms of their number, right? The, the strength of schedule is just by three. Right now, South Dakota State strength of schedule is 32. Montana State's is 26. So they're getting down to nine. Montana State's getting down to six. There's a slightly stronger schedule for South Dakota State in the last few weeks to kind of brighten up that gap. The margin is a little bit better, if that makes sense. Um, both of them are brutal. I would, I mean, <laughs> these are both a brutal way to end a season, and you're probably going to see at least one of these teams drop one, um, even though that's as good as they both are. It's just a brutal way. Montana State's is on the road, though, for most of their tough games. Um, but even this, I mean, most of South Dakota State's tough games are on the road, too. You got South Dakota, Southern Illinois, Youngtown State, and then you got the Dakota marker. Um, that is that's not easy. No. I'm going to lean towards South Dakota State has the slightly tougher schedule, but like flip a coin. Both of them have brutal schedules. Sac State's is not the same as these two. 
They're going to have to earn that one and two seeds for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. These are brutal schedules. And I'm going to keep the big seven flowing right into question number six, right on this topic. Three different people, Cody Werlinger, Alan, Andrew Markham, all of you guys basically asked the same question, which is, is this with, um, I'm sorry, is this basically a three, a two team race of Montana State and South Dakota State? Are we seeing with virtually no change and a toe tapping finish in Brookings? Is this the guarantee? Are you feeling that confident amongst these two teams? Going to Frisco? Going to Frisco, matching up one versus two. Is it a two-horse race? What do you think? I personally think it's been a one-horse race since day one, and it will be a one-horse race all the way to the end, 15-0 rabbit glory. So I actually would say no to this question. I'd say no. I'm good for Montana State. I don't think anybody's beating the rabbits this year. I just think they're too good. But does is there a – disagree with me there? Can Montana State take this thing? Can Montana go in there and do it? Can anybody do it to the Rabbits? Can anybody stop the Bobcats? Can can something happen here? Someone can. I just don't know who it's going to be. All it takes is one bad night uh, when it's this football season. There's not that many games. Again, the schedules are brutal for both of these teams. Anything can happen. Then if you're on the road in the semis, anything can happen there. Um, if I had a bet on it, of course, I'm going to bet South Dakota State. They just, they're more dynamic. They're, they're balanced. Their defense is great. Offense, they could do kind of whatever they want. They got the studs. Um, their O line, it looks better. Montana State seems like they would be an easy bet for the two seed. And I wouldn't bet on them not to get it and make a run to Frisco. But at the same time, I don't trust in deep in the playoffs when you're so one dimensional in, um, Honestly, they should stick with Chambers. Uh, they they should really stick with Chambers. I think he puts them in a better situation than, than Tommy Malott, but they're probably not. Tommy Malott's probably going to get his snaps, and I don't know. They're you're probably going to have a hiccup game here coming up. That is a brutal stretch. Um, and, they're again, their tough games are on the road. That, that's not a fun stretch of games. If they come go through this, yeah, I mean, they'll be easily a two seed, and you're not going to probably go to Bozeman and win. But again, when you're this one-dimensional, all it takes is one coach to have this perfect game plan. And that may seem easier said than done because no one's really been able to do it outside of South Dakota State or North Dakota State a few years back. But all it takes is that one hiccup game. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I would just avoid this bet. Just avoid it altogether. Avoid and it. It's a safe bet. It's the safest bet you can make when you're picking two teams. I'm avoiding it. Okay. Well, Jamie, I'll give you the floor if you want to bounce on that, but I'm going to go into the final question of the big seven here. To uh, You can transition into it as well. Uh, Nicholas Deal asks us to end it. Why are teams actively trying to not get playoff seeds? <laughs> now, this is a great question. Of course, it's poking a little bit of fun, but Seriously, if Montana State drops one, SDSU runs the table. Okay, they're the one. Let's say Montana State drops one. This might be one of the most crazy seeding seasons we've had. And then it has to start opening the door, in my opinion, for possibly Furman's, possibly Delaware's, some of these other one-loss teams. But then even could we see a three-loss team get a seed? I mean... There's some interesting scenarios here. What do you think there, uh, Stats Top 25 voter extraordinaire? What do you got? Yeah, I mean, I think we've had a couple of weeks in this season so far that have been chaotic, fun, awesome, 
that's what we've been begging for for years is to not know who six or seven of the eight seeds are going in and locked in going into Selection Sunday. I love that teams beat each other up. Incarnate Word looks like crap. But they're going to run through the Southland, and they're probably going to wind up with a seed. I mean, they just – I mean, they struggled all day yesterday. And then they wound up winning. And then I'm just looking at, at my sheet again here. Some of this is going to work itself out. Furman, Western Carolina – the loser there, if they win out, might still have an argument. But you know, the way it's going, they'll be they'll hang around there. I mean, Delaware, they've got to win out, but I'm not sure I'd bet on that. Central Arkansas, if they keep winning, could they fight their way in for a seed? Uh, probably not. Mm-hmm. Just I just don't I don't know. I mean, it's just but then again, what if the Bison run the rest of the games and only lose one? You know, just, there's a lot. I'm not saying teams don't want to get a seat. I think they do. I just think there's a lot more chaos because the teams are a little bit closer together outside of, you know, just a couple. And, I mean, even Montana's going to make a run at a seed. Uh, let's see, looking at North and Dakota, can, South Dakota. UT Martin's going to run through probably. <laughs> right. And you can you can self-eliminate too in terms of like, well, teams with two losses that are going to be seeds. SGSU runs the table, they're undefeated. Montana State could beat Sacramento State and Montana. Now they're down to two losses. Idaho has got two losses. Furman, Western Carolina, somebody's going to have two losses. South Dakota State's going to beat South Dakota. They're going to beat North Dakota, who already has the two losses. You know, two losses across the board outside of like Delaware Incarnate Word is virtually guaranteed, like all the way down the seating range, unless you're going to put UT Martin in there who runs the table or. You know who else? It's it's going to happen. You're going to have a ton of teams, two two losses with seeds. Um, Kyler, I I saw your your head kind of nod on the three loss team getting a seed. You see it this year or no? No, um, I I don't think there's going to be a three loss team as a seed. There's yeah, too many people are probably going to end with one to two losses. The only team that's probably going to get a seed at a three loss team would be. As crazy as it sounds, probably a North Dakota State because if if you know Central Arkansas runs the table, they would probably get the bid over Central Arkansas. I, I think Holy Cross has kind of already unfortunately played them out of a seed. I think the Missouri Valley is probably going to get three seeds. Big Sky is probably going to get two. Um, UIW is probably going to win out, even though I don't think I put them as 19 in the nation on mine. They're probably going to get a seed. And then these two SOCON teams are probably going to win out outside of the game they play each other. I mean, you're probably looking at giving both of them a seed, and, and you know Delaware is probably going to get a seed. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think we're going to have any three-loss teams get a seed unless this is the most chaotic last four weeks we've ever seen. Um, yeah, this 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 year's weird though. I don't think that there's 15 good teams that are playoff worthy in the FCS. But now, out of those 15 teams. Probably 12 of them are seed worthy, which is kind of funny. Um, so it's like it the gap outside of the maybe one and two has definitely increased, uh, maybe with just different teams. But then everyone else is pretty dang even across the board um, outside of, yeah, a big South champ. But I guess, yeah, that would be UT Martin because they're sharing the bid, I guess, out of an NAC champ. No, I don't think we're going to see a three loss team get a seed. Well, we're going to find out. Uh, it, it's amazing to think about. We're about a month away. So we're going to find out really, really quick who's going to be a seed and who's not. 
Keyword quick. Just because your question is answered quickly doesn't mean we don't care. These are the quick hit questions of the week. Jim Poppins going to kick us off, guys, with the quick hit questions of the week. And he comes in with us with a great one. Jim, we hope we're doing, you're doing well. Looks like you had a great, fun time on Hobo Day from what I saw on Twitter, my man. Um, guys, what is your, the admin's favorite things to do when your team is on the bye? Oh, on a bye week. What do you got going on, Kyler, when your Eastern Washington Eagles are on a bye week and you're just relaxing? Normally, I'm watching other games and drinking, but last week when we were on a bye week, it was my birthday. So we, we did, you know, top, top uh, this little putt-putt Tiger Woods thing where we got drunk and, and played putt-putt. Then we went to Brazilian Steakhouse. Then I had to watch games that next day, which kind of pissed me off. Uh, but yeah, typically I'm, I'm literally watching football and drinking and just having a good time. Jamie, what's, uh, you know, quick hits, it's one person per question, but these ones about like us as humans, we all get to answer. So what do you got, man? Dukes are on a bye week. What are you doing? Yeah, usually probably run a few errands in the morning, you know, get some things done around the house, a little, a little bit uh, less pressure. And then, yeah, like just like Kyler, but sit down and still watch college football because I, I'm not I'm not a one team watch and move on. I, I definitely watch a lot. Got the phone flipping from game to game, TV, game to game. I, I've got a lot of movement going on uh, with the with the game. So, yeah, still a, a lot of football. We have a bye three seasons. We don't get a bye week here. <laughs> yeah, there's no bye week for the podcast. I've got three boys. They're seven, five, and about to be two. I don't ever have a bye week. As soon as I get home from work, it's not a bye week. My bye week is an hour and a half silence with my wife and I watching some TV show on Netflix every single evening. So... Chasing the kiddos. That's what I do there, Jim. Um, should we be concerned about Incarnate Word's performance against Commerce, says Jason Plotkin. Uh, boy, some head nods here. Uh, Jamie already mentioned it, so I'll throw this one at Kyler. Are we concerned about Incarnate Word? I'm not concerned. I'm not concerned that they're going to win out and probably get a seed, but I am concerned that they're going to be that one seed who loses the first round if they don't get an NEC matchup. Um, defense looks fine. Offense has looked abysmal, especially when you're comparing it to last year's Incarnate Word team. I mean, this is this Texas Commerce team, Stack State and UC Davis beat the shit out of. And um, if you're looking at most of the games Incarnate Word's playing where they're playing close, other other top 25 teams have beat the shit out of them. So um, it is concerning, but they still got a few weeks to gel together and try and figure it out before the playoffs. But yeah, I'd be concerned if I was a you know UIW fan. Not looking as good as last year, understandably so. Um, Brandon Burtz, an SDSU fan, says, how do you become a Bison donor and how much does a lifetime contract for ENTS cost? Woo. <laughs> well, Brandon, um, you open Venmo, search Matthew Frazee for amount, put 100 and click send. That's the only way to actually donate to the That's program. <laughs> Beyond that, uh, hey, be careful what you wish for here. Because, you know, I'm critical. I'm, I, I'm Someone's going to do it now, you jackass. <laughs> well, here's the thing. <laughs> We all made this joke as NDSU fans about Bubba forever for UND. We said, keep giving Bubba contracts. And he kicked the living crap out of us this weekend. So, I don't know. Be careful what you wish for. But I like the troll move, Brandon. That was great. Respect. Uh, with James Manasseh winning big again, will they lose a game this year, says Derek Mortary. Uh, butchered his last name, too, but I love Derek. He's one of the best Grizz fans on the page. Jamie Williams, he asked about the Dukes. If the fans ask, we're going to answer the quick hits. You get you get a chance here to talk about one of the best FBS transition teams of all time. 
go, my man. What about the Dukes? Are they going undefeated? Well, we'll see. Uh, Derek, uh, shout out to Derek. He is one of the best Montana fans. Always had some good discourse. We don't always agree, obviously, but he's an awesome Montana fan. Uh, he is what I wish all Montana fans would be. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a good dude. So, and I appreciate the question. Will we go undefeated? Maybe. Uh, I think we win all of our home games. We have Old, Old Dominion homecoming, UConn and App State at home. Thursday night is the one that has me a little nervous. We go to Marshall, and but that's a that's a, a little revenge game from last year. And uh, Georgia Southern felt what uh, revenge felt like from uh, James Madison. So hopefully, we can go to Huntington, take a win there. Uh, November fourth, we are at Georgia State. Uh, who cares? We're gonna. They they look really really good. I think we'll handle them. Uh, all they are is a quarterback, and we finish at Coastal Carolina. Grayson McCall, we're going to end his regular season college career with another L. He's still there. He's still there. Oh, my gosh. That's right. So, <laughs> I think we can go undefeated. Will we? I, I still feel like we're going to drop a game, but I would love it to go undefeated. It would be great. Well, good luck to your Duke the rest of the way, my man. Uh, it has been fun, fun to watch. It's been fun to cheer for him now from the sidelines. Uh, Andrew Markham says, should the Ivy League look to address coming into the playoffs? Would you guys want to see an Ivy League automatic qualifier if they repealed their rule against the playoffs? Kyler, would you like to see the Ivies in there? Would they deserve an AQ? Absolutely. It, how fun would it to, to have Harvard, who I think is really good. I have Harvard in my top 12. I think they are phenomenal. How cool would it be to have the pioneers of football go down and actually play some actual football against non-Patriot League or bum CAA teams? Not the top of the CA, the bum ones. Oh, I would, I would absolutely love it if the Ivy League was in the playoffs. If they're not going to be in the playoffs, just go to the FBS. Who cares? But yeah, I would, I would absolutely love it. Yeah, it'd be a ton of fun to watch. To, we want more teams and more leagues in the playoffs. Makes things way better. And the Ivy uh, League brand is bigger than so many schools. Oh I gosh. grew up knowing who every Ivy League school was. I don't know any of the other FCS teams growing up. But you, you name Harvard, Princeton, Yale. I know who those are. Yeah, I would love to see those teams play for sure. Jared Miller says, is NDSU a seed this year if they lose the Dakota marker game and nothing else? And Brandon Anderson says, how likely is it the Bison could be on the outside looking in come Thanksgiving? They need five losses to be looking outside to not make the playoffs, I think, honestly. At seven and four, they're in. At three losses, I don't care how much chaos there is, I don't see them being a seed if with three losses. Eight and three, it's just not going to happen. Everybody will do their conspiracy thing like they did in the spring where they're like, they're still going to hook up NDSU. And I'm like, well, they're not. They're not going to do it. So, no. The only, chance of a seed is virtually dead right now. Only if one of those losses was an FBS team. That's only how we're getting an 8-3 and three team in there. But, no. Nope. Just not going to happen. Uh, Jamie Williams, thoughts on the UAC? Because it's shaping out. The top three are starting to look good. And they all play each other to round the year out. You got Central Arkansas. Austin Peay's looking pretty good. Um, what are your thoughts on that conference as it's coming near the end? I think I, we, I went on um, around the UAC this past week with the Rev, and we had uh, Coach Delaney Fitzgerald of Southern Utah on. It was a good show. But we talk about how much fun the UAC is every week just because there is so much parity. There are a lot of good teams. I'm stalling a little bit because I'm scrolling through, the, through their standings. But I think Central Arkansas does wind up winning that. But it be Eastern Kentucky, Austin P. Both of those deserve to be ranked. I mean, Utah Tech has a, a decent win out there. 
Abilene Christian has, has damaged some people. Tarleton's offense looks good. SFA damn near beat uh, UCA this past week. North Alabama looks a lot better. Southern Utah is two and four, but they've got two rank losses and two FBS losses. So everybody is decent. I, I think everybody, and I said it on the show the other day, all of those teams, and the reason is all of the teams have the right coach for what their team is all across the board. And that makes for a really great conference and a lot of great football games. And there are a couple of really good ones this past week. And I expect that to continue. I, I really enjoy UAC football. I like that, that they kind of got it all together, got, you know, got Oliver Locke and created an actual conference. I, I think they can get two playoff teams. Three is probably a stretch just because of the parity in the league there. Mm, very cool. It's becoming a lot of fun to see that all put together. Um, appreciate all the quick hit questions. Jason Beckvar was our last one there asking about the UAC. Appreciate you, my man. Now we're going to stop uh, being, we're going to stop talking to all these humans. And it's time to talk to the versus sports simulator. There is no way these guys can predict football games better than me. I am the mighty versus sports simulator. All right, guys, we are going to see if we can do better than the robots, better than the chat GPTs. And uh, we've got three games on deck here. We are literally doing it every single week where we take on the versus sports simulator and see if we can get the over-unders and the predictions better than the versus sports simulator. Good luck, because that thing is solid. And we're starting with the three big matchups for this weekend. Uh, starting with Furman and Western Carolina versus has them uh, with an 11-point spread. Ah, whoo. They have Western Carolina favored by about 11.5 points. So here you go, Jamie Williams. What do you think? Do you think Western Carolina over or under? And who's the victory? Who gets the win here? Uh, you guys know for a couple of years I've been touting Western Carolina. I've been pushing them a lot harder this year. I'm going to the whip, and I think that the Catamounts will win this game. I don't think they win by 11 or 12 points. I think this is probably a seven-point game. Uh, I don't know the status of Desmond Reed. That could make a difference. Uh, Tyler Huff and Dominic Roberto on the Furman side have really carried that offense. Travis Blackshear, is really, who's a defensive back, is really going to be tested by that Western Carolina passing offense with uh, Gonzalez there. Uh, I just I, I'm going to take Western Carolina, but I'm going to um, – not say I'm gonna say that, that Furman um, keeps within the spread there, and 77 points. That I still I think that's gonna wind up under. I just I think that's a lot of points. I think it's gonna be a great game. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, Western Carolina takes it and sails on from there to a SoCon title. Ooh, all the way through. F you all the time, not you, Jamie Williams. Furman 34, 31. The balance is going to come in and attack. Three-point victory for Furman coming up this weekend. Kyler, what do you think? I think if you want to make some money, download this app, pay for the NCA, use our discount promo code, because they had Ferris State losing this week to Grand Valley State, and Grand Valley State lost to Colorado Mines. So everyone thought the versus sports simulator was stupid for that pick, and they trolled him online because he posted it for some reason. And he won some god dang money. So uh, download it. But I think Furman's going to cover. Now I'm going to bet Western Carolina to win. I do agree with Jamie. I actually agree with Jamie on all of this besides the points total. 
So, um, yeah, I think Furman's going to cover. Western Carolina still wins. Uh, but I think the points, I'm going to go the over. I think this is going to be a high-scoring game, like a 42 to 38 type of game. It'll be fun. It will be a lot of fun. And I don't know if it's going to be as much fun as this next one here. Maybe it will be. Montana State against Sacramento State. According to the Verse Sports Simulator, number four versus number nine. This is a 13 and a half point game favorited to Montana State with total points of about 55 and a half. So, Kyler, this is Big Sky Country. What do you think? Who's going to be the victor over and under? Yeah, um, Sac State's played pretty well, right? They beat Stanford, who just beat Colorado. So that's always a good thing. Um, but Sac State, I think, is just missing something that they had last year, and that's called Cameron Scatabell. Uh, so, yeah, I think Montana State is going to win. 13 points is a lot um, to give, you know, a top 10 matchup, but it's not unrealistic. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to bet on everything the sports. Uh, nope. <laughs> Montana State wins by 13. Ooh. 13 on that dot. Um, yeah, this one I, I wouldn't touch. That'd I would be... touch on Montana State to win. I wouldn't touch on the points. I have no clue. This one is brutal. Um, boy, there's a part of me that wants to do it. Ah, screw it. I'll take it. Sacramento State wins 28-24. Upset city and chaos reigns throughout the FCS. Montana State goes down and everything goes to crap. Jamie, what do you got? I just I don't see that at all. I don't like the way Sacramento State has played since their win at Stanford. They played close to NAU and Northern Colorado and lost to Idaho. It's just I I think this goes over just because Montana State gets there themselves. I think Mon I'm, I'm going to take Montana State big, like 56 to 14. Wow. Dang. Okay. So we have a blowout and an upset prediction. Man, going to be interesting. We'll see how it goes. Final one here, guys. South Dakota State against Southern Illinois. A great one here in the Valley. Jeremiah Rash's team. Jeremiah Rash did get a question in late, and he said, how bad of a beatdown does SDSU give SIU next Saturday? <laughs> and he's a great Southern Illinois fan. Love you, Jeremiah. Uh, it's a 15 and a half. Uh, it's basically a 15 point favorite to South Dakota State with total points of 42.5 on the versus sports simulator. Yeah, Jeremiah, I just think South Dakota State's too good. So I expect them to cover. I'll take them with maybe fourth quarter points to help you out. Uh, 21 point victory for South Dakota State. So whatever the math is on that, 44 to 21. And I know that math is wrong. 44 21, however many points that is. <laughs> We'll go with that one. That's Marine Corps math. Is that North Dakota math coming back? Yeah, Marine Corps, small town math. It is what it is. 44-21. Hopefully my prediction is better than the math skills. Jamie, what do you think, man? Yeah, South Dakota State is just too powerful. Southern Illinois is a good team with a good defense. It's just not going to matter. 40-17, to 17, Jackrabbits. Mr. Neal, thinking, thinking, thinking. By the way, 44 minus 21 is 23. I just checked on a calculator. I mean, Southern Illinois did look fantastic against Youngstown State. Um, Matt shaking his head like, yeah, what? You were you were gone on drill that week. They got murdered by 30. Points, Matt. I did. Yeah, I saw it yeah, on Twitter. Were... I was like, good <laughs> lord. I was not expecting that. Um, I was like, yeah, they did look pretty good. Um, yeah, I think South Dakota State is just gonna cover. Um, I, I actually like Matt's score prediction. 
Uh, I, I think it's going to be like that just because Southern or Southern Illinois gets one more um, garbage time TD. Yeah. Give me match prediction on a dot. Um, this was one of the most fun ones I had. Lots of emotion exposed. Lots of uh, lots of fun. Big picture talk. We appreciate everybody listening to the FCS Fans Nation podcast here on Spotify, Apple, and YouTube. It's good to have the three crew together. Just some awareness factors before we get out of here for this week. Um, we are coming up in about a month from, it's actually a, only about four weeks away from our mock playoff special. So be on the lookout for that. That's where we actually get an opportunity. It's my favorite tradition. It's the, my favorite podcast episode we do every year. I think we're three, four years into it where we literally will predict the final week's games and then we will act like we're the committee and set a playoff field just to kind of wrap everyone's heads around who could be in the playoffs, what their resumes look like, and it makes Selection Sunday a lot more fun. Speaking of Selection Sunday, we always do that live, so we hope that you join us here on StreamYard Live through Facebook, Twitter, or other means to make sure that you watch the selections, not from the talking heads of ESPN and people who don't give a crap about the FCS, but actually people who care like ourselves. So it's crazy to think we're that close to it. Make sure you follow FCS Fans Nation on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and subscribe on YouTube so you can be part of all of those fun activities. Mr. Neil, Mr. Williams, any final thoughts before we roll out for another week of FCS football with some huge, huge matchups? What do you think there, Jamie? More chaos, please. Let it burn. Let it burn. Right there, Mr. Neil? Let it burn. I love it. Well, uh, the one thing that causes burning is a nice big bomb right at the end of the episode, which is how we always end everything. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us on the FCS Fans Nation podcast. Enjoy your week and prep for more chaos. Boom. Thank you for listening to the FCS Fans Nation podcast. Make sure to like and subscribe to this podcast on your preferred listening platform, whether it's Apple, Spotify, Google, or even YouTube. And make sure to follow our FCS Fans Nation social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you for listening to the premier podcast for FCS football. Boom. I'm not going to, Allison will ask how that podcast was, and I'll say, I'm not going to let you listen to it because of my taco bet. <laughs> no.